Hello and welcome to the Courage to Be podcast, where we explore how to raise your game, lean into discomfort and have more impact and purpose. I am your host, Sinead Millard. For me, I'd just come out of a relationship. It actually was one of the first times someone had broken up with me and I wasn't used to that. And I stood back and I was trying to process his feelings and I saw a coach, but alongside that, I also started seeing a therapist because I knew that there was a pattern, although I couldn't put my finger on what the pattern was. Those first few weekends when I was alone with myself, I thought, what do people do on their own? What does this mean (laughs) when you should be comfortable with yourself? I didn't get that. And actually, I realized it's just accepting yourself and loving yourself. Hello everyone, welcome back to this week's bonus episode. I've never done a bonus episode before, but I was so excited because I recorded this conversation sitting around my kitchen table with my guest next to me having a lovely coffee and it just felt so nice. All of my conversations recently have been virtual. So this was a real treat. Today's guest is a woman called Sonica Mushi, who is a therapist whom I wanted to bring on to the podcast for some time. And each time Sonica and I meet and have a conversation, I'm left feeling so uplifted, informed and inspired. Um, So to really break down and open up the topic of the courage to be with Sonica today is a real pleasure. You'll hear we jump in pretty quickly. Um, So Sonica opens up about her own personal um, experience of therapy, of coaching. Um, We start off by talking about approval seeking behavior. which in most cases we all have some degree of, and Sonica shares quite openly about her experience of that. We talk about questioning patterns, identifying childhood patterns, um, getting that balance as it relates to validation. Can we validate ourselves or are we over-reliant on others to validate us? And we talk about shame, we talk about going beneath the surface as it relates to conversations, bringing more of ourselves to various different conversations. And yes, I will not go into the long list, but this was one I really enjoyed. And I hope that joy that both Sonica and I felt having that conversation translates. And uh, yeah, you get to experience a little bit of that too. That's all for me. I'll hand you over to Sonica. Sonica, you are very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We were just having a lovely conversation, actually, before I pressed record. And around the topic of approval seeking and when we talk about the courage to be we talk about the courage to be who it is we are in the world um and why sometimes we struggle to show our real selves to the world and a topic that came up was approval seeking yes Um, and and I think you had some incredible stories and insights um that I'd love to hear from you yeah well I was saying you know everyone naturally has an approval seeking um schema really what we call it and everyone has that and it can make us really behave in different ways if we if we want approval and I was saying um my story really was my dad was in the army and he often went away and left my mum my brother and I at home and we all had to sleep in one room and my brother was sort of left in charge to take care of us and I went in my life from relationship to relationship to relationship and never knew that it was linked 
to this one thing. So I didn't realize that I could be alone. Mm. And so I would do anything in relationships. So when you say you didn't realize you were, you could be alone. So when your dad would go away, you would all go into one room as if, okay, we need to be together now. Is that because a male figure has left or it just happened to be your dad? Because a male figure had left who was in charge of protecting me. Mm. So I felt I wasn't safe being on my own or single, a single woman out there. I needed a man's protection. And so I looked for men who appeared to be quite strong, but actually could often be almost abusive, borderline abusive. And I would go into the most weird behavior to to just get their approval. Like I wouldn't call them out for bad behavior, criticism, um, emotional abuse, really. Um, I would just stay and almost become really clingy with them Mm. in relationships. And I made sure that, you know, there was a next relationship lined up before I left the relationship I was in. And I had to just stop and question this at some point. So, so what, how, when do you stop and question it? So what happens for you? So, so this behavior, this pattern has been happening over a period of time what causes you to question that for me I'd just come out of a relationship it actually was one of the first times someone had broken up with me and I wasn't used to that and I stood back and I was trying to process his feelings and I saw a coach but alongside that I also started seeing a therapist because I knew that there was a pattern although I couldn't put my finger on what the pattern was And I started reading a lot of self-help books, which I don't think everyone needs, but it Mm. is good to be curious about it. But I knew that there was a pattern and I wanted to find it. Okay. And this therapist really helped me to go back really, really slowly until we got back to this whole pattern of my dad leaving and my brother being left in charge of our safety, really. Mm. And suddenly it all just clicked into place for me. Um... And then I decided, as I said, to to just be single for two years, to not date for two years, to really stand back and learn how to be on my own or to be comfortable being on my own. And what comes up for you? So when you take yourself back to that moment in time and I know you shared before we started recording, like at one instance, making yourself actually be alone over a long weekend just to yes. prove to yourself that you could do that. Yes. What type of, a, so, so I guess there's the anticipation or the fear of yes. that. And then there's the reality of what that felt like when you were in that situation. So you yes. being alone, what did that bring up for you? Yes. Well, at first it was really hard, to be honest. At first, all I wanted to do was just watch movies and sleep. Mm. But then I realized this couldn't be my life. And I started looking at what do I like? Naturally, what are the things I love? And, you know, I'd done a degree in journalism. I loved writing. And so I decided to sign up for this um, journal writing course. Yeah. Um, which I did and that sort of linked me back to my old self in some way I realized that I'd found a part of me that I lost I stopped doing these things because I never made time for myself 
And I realized that it's about self-care, self-love, self-forgiveness. And once I started writing, that for me was very, very important, writing my feelings. And I have to say, you know, those first few weekends when I was alone with myself, I thought, what do people do on their own? What does this mean? (laughs) (laughs) When you should be comfortable with yourself, I didn't get that. And actually, I realized it's just accepting yourself and loving yourself. Yeah, so why do you think we might resist? Or let's just bring it back to you. Why... What was the anticipation of being on your own? Obviously, you linked it back to that childhood um, experience that you had of your dad leaving and your brother being in charge. But also, it is you know sitting with yourself and being with yourself without the distraction of a movie um, or a friend or a partner. What's the fear of that? Is it sitting with kind of a part of yourself that you kind of struggle to see? Yes. Can you maybe elaborate on that? For me, it was the fear of being on my own. So the fear is actually, we just see the fear and we don't even really know what the fear is. For me, the fear was my safety. Mm. And then I realized actually, where is this coming from? I could, of course, I could look after myself. I could cross the road by myself. I could walk down the road by myself. I could meet friends and come back home perfectly safe. But there's that emotional support. I think I never just sat with myself because I think deep down I didn't really know who I was and I didn't I was afraid of not liking myself Mm. that's part of it to be honest of what if I sat alone with myself and I didn't really like myself Mm. and that was the hardest part to get over Mm. and when you think perhaps for listeners if they're thinking gosh I don't know if I know myself or do I or how will I know any any because I think this whole that curiosity around uncovering who it is we are the various different parts of us maybe parts that we feel we inherited but that we'd like to let go of what would you self-inventory building self-awareness like I mean there's no shortage is there of kind of self-help books and on various different podcasts and yes. what would you say to people who who maybe are thinking I'm not 100% sure if I know myself or or how will I know or what journey could I take to explore that yes I mean there are various ways I think it's just reconnecting with your inner child and this mm. is what I do with clients too what did you like as a child you know what were you interested in one question I always ask is what toys did you play with did you like puzzles did you like dolls did you like lego are you a builder are you a a nurturing person are you a creator did you like drawing or coloring in and then taking that and even going and exploring that as an adult so for me it was the writing I knew I loved writing I'd written since the age of eight um So for me, just sitting down and writing got me back to recognizing who I really am. And for me then to also recognize which part of of myself I thought was part of my personality, but it wasn't. So I could actually realize, oh, I can let go of these things because these are behaviors that I learned. And it's not part of my personality. Yes. Can you can you share any examples? Yes. Of those? So one thing that always comes up for me is the self sacrifice. 
um, having to give and give and give to other people because that makes you a good person. And you know, we live in a society where we're really taught this from a really young age. It's good to do things for other people. And we're not so much taught as children how to be good to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned this. So I always did hours and hours and hours of volunteer work. And um, at some point I had to stop that and say, actually, I have to look after myself now. I have to reconnect with myself. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person, but I can choose where I give and it doesn't have to come at the cost of giving up my own needs or sacrificing my own needs. And that's the whole core of self-sacrifice is it comes at the cost of sacrificing your own needs. And this might be the need for validation. So we get our validation through doing something else for someone else. Because if someone compliments us for doing that, that's where we get our validation. So we get that feel good feeling, you know, the dopamine hit, mm, the reward. Yeah. The reward. Um I'm interested yeah. in this topic of validation because yeah. again this very much links back to the theme of the courage to be, which yeah. is we're seeking something from outside of us. So there's a part of me that thinks it's there's there is naturally there's perhaps and and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this to to like that feel good factor that comes from validation. Yes. If it, it feels like we could never fully strip that away that that's yes. part of being human, yes. right? Maybe that's the reward for doing something good. Yes. But when it becomes too much and I've talked about this in the context of my career and what I've had to work on yes. um, and that has been that kind of seeking that validation as it relates to a particular version of success that yes. I had in my head that I'm kind of unlearning <laughs> and yes. relearning which was you know in those early years and developing as a professional and just constantly needing that validation and realizing that that's when I say constantly needing that validation I guess it's at a point in time I felt quite exhausted and and it comes from the fact that just feeling like I in hindsight and looking back I lacked that internal gauge for approving myself essentially yes. right yes. so it's like the validation needed to come in the form of a promotion yeah in the form of a positive review or in the form of a colleague saying that I did a good job or a project yes. and that when that needs to come from the outside world it's great when it comes, yes. but if, it's, if, if you need to be fed that yes. and then you're constantly striving to get that, whether that's working until 11 p.m. at night or working into the weekends yes. or consuming 90% of your life with yes. your career, then of course that's going to start to manifest in Absolutely. ways that are not very healthy. Absolutely. So I guess that's where I just, that validation piece can you maybe open that up a little bit to say what's what's okay, what's natural versus what's too much? Yes, and you know we all we all like validation, but this is the thing I think if we've had enough validation as a child, we will go out into the world knowing our value to some degree. We can still go out and learn this behavior of actually, you know, I get validation through this, I get validation through being a nice person, I get validation through excelling in my career but if it's constantly coming from external factors it can be lost mm. it's like happiness isn't it you're gonna need more and more and more and more mm. and you know we're teaching our brains to literally 
give us that hit every time it's like it's like gambling you know constantly I'm gonna have to put a new coin into the slot machine Mm. to get that validation but what does it mean when we don't get that validation then we internalize that as I'm not good enough or I don't have any value or Mm. I'm not pretty enough or I'm not successful enough when actually that's not the case so there has to be a balance we have to validate ourselves we have to know our own worth Mm. and yes the the external validation will still make us feel good Mm. but it's just not relying on that that's important and I think what came up for me as you were saying that as well so as we think about childhood and then we all have various different kind of unhealthy and healthy experiences that we can relate to in our childhood but as it relates to validation do Mm. you see in the work that you do as well that depending on how a child was brought up that they might look for a certain type of validation so particularly if a particular parent if they link that love to a bit so so for example let's just make it so so there's a there's a father or mother who really rewards doing well in sport yes right and that's where they do do you see that link in adulthood in terms of how what they go after in life and linking that to connection or love yes I do see that and I think you know sport is actually a healthy way of of um going out there and getting that so sport is a, a good example because there are healthy ways and there are unhealthy ways so getting that validation almost by doing sport physically and doing the activity and feeling good within yourself is good but if you have to excel at sport to get that validation to be seen as oh yes he's the one who's great at sport but you're not good enough unless you perform that Mm. that's where the, the problem comes in and often you know I work with um with narcissistic abuse patients too and this is the thing with narcissistic abuse clients they often need that especially if we look at women they really need that validation from men they Mm. need to be told you're worth it or you're good enough or you're beautiful and if they don't get that then they pull away and then they they almost go into this cycle of behavior of actually this person is awful um, or they don't love me and I hear this again and again in the room if someone doesn't compliment me constantly for the way I look then it means that they don't love me Mm. or if they don't text me immediately after I've been on a date then that means they don't care about me Mm. so how are these narratives formed so for example I you know if I don't get a text after a date or perhaps there's somebody out there who's listening and they invite somebody to a party and they don't get a response for three days yeah what's a healthy response or an unhealthy (laughs) response to that and and how might that evolve yeah it it usually starts with enmeshment so a parent being either over controlling or overly close to a child so this is where the narcissistic abuse comes in is if a parent was really controlling and that child learns to associate control with love Mm. so this is why they might feel if this person doesn't text me to find out if I got home or right after our date they don't realize that that developed from an over controlling parent actually you know or constantly needing to make sure where I am or the parents um, validation for for instance maybe 
not being authentic that they only said these things in order for the child to comply with things Mm. um so inauthentic validation growing up can lead to this constant need for validation or not having any validation for instance um might also want you to really really seek for that Mm. validation as an adult Mm, yeah and I'm hearing as you're explaining this like that there's a spectrum right that um so I guess that's where I'm interested in terms of if somebody's listening and feeling like I mean before actually or conversation before this you talked about questioning patterns yes. and stepping away and yes. asking yourself so so I guess what I'm kind of yes. getting here is this curiosity over our lives right yes. because we all have patterns yes. and it can be very hard to identify what's working and what's not working yes. so so what would you say to somebody who kind of is listening and, and maybe intrigued as to where they are or what their patterns might be definitely one thing I always advise clients is to keep a journal of a trigger, what triggered me, or if you feel that something's wrong, I just have this feeling that I can't shake today, write that feeling down, try and say, even if it's just confused or overwhelmed, write that mm. down, think of where in your body you're feeling it, because our bodies physiologically respond to our emotions, and that response in your body will be linked to a memory. And then if you think, what triggered triggered this? For instance, I might have walked past someone I know, but they didn't say hello to me. Mm. And I might have thought, oh, they don't like me. They were ignoring me. So that might be my natural conclusion I jumped to. So I feel, when I write it down, I feel worthless, or I feel ignored, or I feel that this person doesn't like me because a a b or c and then if i work that work backwards on that and thinking actually does it mean this maybe they didn't see me question the self yourself because it's there's the thought the feeling and the behavior um question all three of these once you have it on paper you can start to find evidence for it but just looking back to and just be curious Um, so for me the pattern was again I didn't know where this pattern was coming from but I had to stop and look at it and for me I needed a therapist to help me Mm. but not everyone needs that some people are very reflective and very insightful and you can easily get to that if you just look at it objectively Um, so I like this so it's it's to say yes potentially have support in doing so but not necessarily I know that I found therapists really useful um, at various different stages in my life yes. um, and it's almost like where you hit a particular stage and think actually there's I need to uncover why I have been feeling like this around yes. this for a yes. period of time or and then yes. there's moments where I'm just exercising what you refer to yes. which is my reflective muscle or yes. I've got a, a you know close group of friends where we can share very openly um even the parts that we might be quite ashamed to share if there's that vehicle to do that so I guess that 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 that's really lovely to hear which is just I guess become become a little bit more curious heighten your observation if you have a moment where 
you know you feel yourself going they haven't text back why haven't they text back or they won't come to the party or whatever that may be (laughs) and where you get a funny look from somebody what feeling are you left with and just to reflect on that which I think is really really nice absolutely and then obviously also learning the language of what to do then if this if I felt this way about the friend is actually learning to get the courage to call that friend and say I saw you I'm not sure if you saw me Mm. maybe checking in on that friend maybe they're going through that or just actually saying if you're absolutely sure that the friend saw you just saying I noticed you didn't say anything are you all right or um, shall we meet for a coffee or something just reconnecting it's interesting as you say that because it's almost like with self-loathing comes self-sabotage it's almost like if you think about having a particular and I think it was Russell Brand I was listening to the other day and he was doing a live with Fern Cotton I think it was that particular conversation but it was Russell Brand and he was saying some if he's with a particular tough day and he gets to the end of the day and goes all I've done is thought about myself today me 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 why did as actually as you explain that it's like very often we're so consumed by ourselves that friend we've bumped into has had a really crap morning and they actually you know needed a (laughs) phone call but you spend the day thinking kind of you know about you and how they perceive you (laughs) absolutely absolutely um the topic of shame I'd love to before we we close off I'd love to just hear a little bit more about your thoughts on this yeah shame is an emotion you experience um, absolutely and yeah. you know everyone experiences shame we're really born with that feeling because it's meant to guide us in life you know it tells us to some degree when our it's the same as anger when our our bodies or anything about us our boundaries too are being being violated or mm. not respected for instance or when we're maybe not living our most authentic life so Mm. we can feel shame because we're not living up to the expectations of the community for instance or our own expectations um so yes I think everyone has shame so then as you you explained that that's 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 kind of triggered something in me as well so I guess I'm hearing healthy and unhealthy shame perhaps yeah so what's that because I'll have moments sometimes where I'll allow myself to acknowledge a feeling of shame right and it could be so subtle as you sit here and I'm telling you a story yes and after I tell the story you just kind of go oh you just didn't really resonate with it or you don't agree or I just have this little trigger this moment yes. of oh gosh well yes. that's the blood rushing from my face or whatever that may be and I, and and I found it quite useful lately just to, just to acknowledge that I felt a little yeah, ashamed amazing. just there that was just a, so I guess but that's not necessarily so I guess how I'm sharing that as well is why I experience potentially shame in that moment is not really a reflection of the reality of the situation but there's something within me there's layers and who knows where that comes from that triggered shame so I guess it's to to hear from you on that which is sometimes there's information in the shame is what I'm feeling and sometimes it's just you know historical baggage that triggers you to feel shame absolutely and again some of that can come from our childhood and you know Brene Brown has written so much on this topic um but it's yes there's that shame that can guide us or prompt us to change something you know if I did something that makes me feel shameful I think I can stop and think is there something I need to change here about myself you know, do I need to look at my own behavior or something? Or is it so deep rooted that I just don't know where it's coming from? I felt so, for instance, I might have felt so absolutely worthless in this moment. 
I might have experienced this deep level of shame at work um, in a meeting when someone said something I felt caught out or I might have felt that oh am I really qualified to do my job Mm. for instance can you look at that that is it coming from because you were left alone so much that you had to work things out for yourself instantly I'm just giving one example yeah. of hundreds of thousands yeah um, but where is that coming from look at try and find the root of the shame yeah okay great and now I can't help but think what toys I played with when I was young it's quite interesting because I played with dolls all the time but yet I wouldn't necessarily like obviously I'm a mother to two girls um, and yeah. so I'm just totally bringing this topic back up but it's been on my mind and and I think maybe I, I'm I there was always a really strong maternal side to me as, yeah, as a young child sense. but I feel like I um yes I have um I love my role as a mother um and but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like this mother earth that's just like you know I definitely have needed my career to be alongside of that and I think that the transition into motherhood and that balancing out of my purpose and career and, and all of that has been challenging and I'm wondering is is I mean I think it's challenging for every parent yes. um, but I'm, I'm also wondering as I think about that and uh, maybe that is some of the tension that I have which is not really knowing what that fine balance should be um, yes. and when it when the scale tips either side it yes. doesn't feel very good <laughs> yes and you know that nurturing side can come out in so many ways because it, of course it must come out in your work because you have to hold another person in your line of, mm. of work really in the room so you're nurturing a part of them while they're trying use another part of their brain to figure out what it is they want and for me too I can remember as a child I loved playing with dolls and I loved playing a teacher you know I was <laughs> I was quite controlling and dominant as a child and bossy telling everyone what to do but I loved conversations too so I would always go to I love the underdog child for instance to go and sit with the child who was on their yeah. own and make conversation with them and I can remember once at school I had these two friends pulling both sides of my arms and saying she's my friend she's my friend and all I wanted to do was go and sit with the child who was sitting on her own Mm. and so that was always my natural well my personality obviously because I used to go and find out why are you on your own you know what's going on for you and this was from my very first year of school and I can remember thinking back teachers always commenting on that that I I liked being on my own, but I connect liked connecting with other kids who were on their own. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and have you always been reflective around this, or was it your kind of your experience with your first therapist and thereafter your coach that kind of got you into this reflective mode of looking back and kind of trying to connect the dots? I think I was subconsciously aware of it. Yeah. Um, that's the best way of stating it because there was a very low level of awareness um I can remember like even in clubbing days you know I didn't like to go into the club I used to like sitting with the people outside who felt lonely and again find out what's your story why are you here and people used to say no one ever has these conversations (laughs) but for me I got my dopamine hit from that really I love these conversations with people um but yeah it's it's once I saw the therapist and she helped me go into this I realized actually 
Yeah, now that you mention it, there has has been this link really from as far back as I can remember. Yeah, and it's interesting because when we talk about uncovering our values and what it is that's important to us and we talk about the courage to be who it is we are in the world and express ourselves and use our voice, very often the awareness and the uncovering of various different aspects of ourselves is so close that it's hard to see. Because I remember when I first left corporate and I was reading all these books about like finding your purpose and your passion I was yes. like, to my husband I remember just being frantically thought that this purpose was going to just jump out and hit me <laughs> in the page and it was like am I musical could I be a singer because <laughs> um, it was just I wanted to make and, and I realized that actually bridging the gap between corporate and what we're doing today it wasn't actually such a leap that I am yes. still kind of using a lot of the same strengths and values and all of that but I guess my point being that the insight and the awareness around the parts of us that are very much true to who it is we are our Mm. values what's important to us can actually be uncovered through some reflection or looking back into our childhood like even these conversations around childhood and speaking to Marion Boswell who was on the podcast a few weeks ago we were talking about nature and childhood memories And I remember just the act of actually thinking about my childhood memories as it relates to nature and the outdoors in itself was incredibly eye-opening. So I think just that moment of whether you do that with a coach, a therapist or a friend. Yes. You know, um, there's a lot of insight to come from that. Yes. And it's just having conversations, isn't it? And Mm. conversation with ourselves and our memories are so important. So really on, on that with conversation, I remember meeting you um, after we, I think we'd done a school run or a camp drop. I, yes. I can't remember. Um, Sonica's little boy is, is in school with my little girl. And I remember saying to Billy when I came home, like we had like a 15 minute walk and we were just straight into it. We just had this conversation <laughs> about relationships, COVID, challenges, yes. this, that what's working for me. And I was like, that has just like in and that has just fed and it wasn't forced yes. we, we just got straight into it and it was incredibly nourishing because I'm somebody who really values conversation yes. like it just feeds me beyond measure and I guess just to those listening and and for me and for, for, for anyone out there how can we start to have more of those conversations that are very real and below the surface yeah and there's a great Irish philosopher um oh John O'Donoghue and he's a wonderful poet he's passed and I love his work and he he says when he has people around for dinner they're all sitting around the table and maybe there's a bit of chit chat and he says come on lads let's go below the surface (laughs) and I'm (laughs) like yeah I love that you know and how I'd love to just maybe bring that topic up to how can we open up and have more real conversations It is, isn't it? It's, and I always describe it this way. I would love to go and sit around a day, dinner table and find out, not talk about myself, what drives this person? Because mm. if I can connect with what's this person's passion, not what's their job, because a lot of people mm. aren't doing the jobs that they <laughs> yeah. really want to do. But, you know, what do you find interesting? Again, I, I do ask people, what did you play with as a child? Um, and people think that's so odd. And once I describe to people why I ask this question, yeah. we get into these really deep discussions. But for me, there the, are almost these icebreakers that I use. Yeah. Like, what did you love when you were young? You know, What kind of friends did you have? Or mm. what 
what about your childhood do you want to bring into your adult life? Because we all have an inner child and we need to nourish that inner child mm. and not really kill it, you know, yeah. because it's the inner child that really keeps us alive. And I think when people hear the term inner child, like it's a bit, but actually how you explain it is just so practical. And I have a pack of, um, I think they're called dinner conversations but I was at a workshop in the school of life Alain de Botton and I bought these and you basically just each guest pulls a card and it has some question on there which was it might be kind of there are just certain questions I actually can't think of one it might be recalling an ex or which ex do you think you might have married? Who knows? I don't. But it's 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 lovely to warm people. I think when Billy sees me bringing them to the table, he's like, "Oh God." <laughs> or sometimes he's like, "Now these are ha- we're having dinner with this couple, but I really don't think they'll like the conversation cards." Um, but it is even just finding easy ways to to navigate kind of a deeper conversation. Yes. Um, which I think everyone walks away from feeling yes. quite nourished. Yes. And again, that's what I do. I try and find people's inner child. But also, you know, if I'm on a walk with a parent, if I trip or something, I'll just really laugh at myself and remind <laughs> myself that we're all human. And often it's through these really small mundane things that mm. we can really connect. And someone else might think, actually, you know, I don't have to hide <laughs> tripping or something. Yeah. I just say, gosh, that happened to me this morning or spilling my coffee or these small things and it just takes doesn't it that one person in a conversation to go a little layer deeper or to share something it's not about sharing deep dark secrets but that sets the tone absolutely and it's like an invite for the other person because usually we're all kind of experiencing very similar things just showing up in different ways yes um this has been so lovely sonica thank you so much thank you so much for having me (laughs) it was a lovely conversation thank you so much for listening if there's something that you've heard in this episode that has resonated with you or perhaps you think it could benefit someone else then please do share this link or start the conversation if you haven't done so already click on the subscribe button in your listening app and as always i really value your feedback so please rate and review this podcast on apple podcasts And for more information, full show notes, links and resources, you can pop over to my website, SineadMillard.com. See you next time back here on The Courage To Be.